0: morning, everybody. Uh, It's great to be with you today, wherever you may be joining us from. I'm believing uh, just as as God has already continued to meet us this morning, uh, he's going to meet you right where you're at today. I I have a a friend when he preaches uh, here at our church, and 99.9% of the time, I'm trying not to exaggerate because I'm trying to stop that, but 99.9% of the time uh, when he preaches, at some point in his message, he builds up, and he says, sometimes you just got to pimp slap the devil. Now, I don't know if that's appropriate to say, but there's never been a phrase that describes more what I feel like doing today. Because I am, I am just, uh, I'm tired of seeing people be bullied by darkness. And we're living in a time where I get it, life is up and down and all around, but we were created to be light. You know what the cure for darkness is? Light. The only thing that has the ability to do away with darkness is not more darkness, is not more counsel, is is, is not more just wisdom. You know what has the ability to do away with darkness? Light, well we have good news. God said that he puts you here to be salt and to be light. And I, I don't know what your specific situation you're facing is because I get corporately, we're facing some mountains and we could talk about all day long what those mountains are. But I know you're also facing some personal battles. Yes, we're dealing with COVID-19. Yes, we have civil unrest and we're dealing with all of these things, but you're still dealing with your marriage issues. You're still dealing with issues with your children. Children, you're still dealing with issues with your parents. You've had issues at work and I don't know what you're going through, but I just declare today by the spirit of God, that there is light coming to your home, that you will rise up, that you're not gonna be a victim. You're not gonna be a vic- You're not gonna allow yourself to be bullied by darkness. I'm excited today about what I have to share and I'm believing that God's gonna meet us right where we're at. Right where you're at, just with a heart of expectation, can I lead you in prayer? Can I lead us in prayer together? Come on, let's pray. God, we thank you for this moment. We thank you for this space where we can come and we can open our minds and open our hearts to God, the creator of the heavens, the one who put us here, the one who is surprised by nothing even when we are so God, today, we look to the one who created us. We look to the maker of heavens and earth. We look to the one who is surprised by nothing for guidance, for help, for hope, for wisdom. God, would you teach us to be the light that you put us on the earth to be? No longer with the people of God be burdened and overwhelmed and bullied by darkness. Today, I just declare that the light shines. Today I declare by the Spirit of God that the light shines in our homes, the light shines in our souls, where there's been confusion and worry and burdensome thoughts, anxiety and depression. Today I just declare that the light of God shines and eradicates the dark. God, we look to you today. We look to you today. In Jesus' name. Everybody say right where you're at. Say amen. Amen, amen. If you have your Bibles, your app, whatever you're you're reading uh, in today, uh, thanks to the team, to the band that led us today. Jeremy, it's good to see you, my man. Haven't seen Jeremy in a minute. It's good to see you uh, live and in person. Uh, John chapter 11. I'm going to read a passage of Scripture. Um, again, I, I say this often, but it's, it's, a, it's a familiar passage of Scripture. I'm going to take, take me a little bit of time to get through it, but I want to read it for the sake of context, kind of set up some uh, thoughts and ideas that I want to bring to the table today that I think really can help you. So wherever you're at, you can follow along if you want. I'm reading out of the NIV. If not, just listen, because I really want you to to grasp the context of the narrative that I'm reading from today. So John, chapter 11, it says this. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one who you love, is sick. Pay attention to verse 4. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Listen to that. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, okay, now let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you're going back. Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see with this world's light. It's when a person walks at night that they stumble, but they have no light. After he said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. Verse 14 says, so then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Then Thomas said to the rest of the disciples, let us go, that we may die with him. On arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days dead. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you would have been here. My brother would not have died, but I know even now that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, "Your brother will rise again." Martha answered, "I know he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day." Jesus said to her, "No, I'm the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even though they die, uh, even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this?" "Yes, Lord," she replied. "I believe that you're the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world." After she said that, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, and he is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. The text continues, Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at a place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied following scripture says that Jesus wept. Imagine this. Jesus cried. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him? But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus once more moved deeply, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he says. But Lord said, Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been in there for four days. Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you will believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone and Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always have heard me, but I said this out loud for the benefit of the people standing here that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Sometimes I I stop and I think about things that we experience in life that um, we have a frame of reference for our experience with them, so they seem very normal to us. But when you think back, like, the very first time someone ever experienced blank, how did they feel about it? I mean, think about, like, the the context of, of something like fire, right? Like, we understand what fire is. We understand that there are benefits to fire. We understand that there are dangers to fire. But imagine being, like, the very first person that ever experienced fire. I mean, you, you, you get it to light and you're like, oh, what is this? Like it's warm and we can use it for light and, you, and you've, you've never experienced it before but then you touch it and you get burnt and it's like, oh, is this good or is this bad? When, when you have no frame of reference for something that you experience, you're on an emotional roller coaster. It makes your emotions actually rather turbulent because I don't know what to expect because I've never experienced anything like this before. Think about uh, maybe your first uh, time that you ever flew in an airplane. You remember how crazy like that was? And what's crazy even about that experience is that you had a frame of reference. You had someone that could tell you, okay, so here's what's gonna happen. You're getting in the plane, you're gonna brace for takeoff, you're gonna put on your seatbelt. There's gonna be times actually in in the flight that you're gonna have turbulence. There's gonna be times that the the airplane all of a sudden will just kind of drop and you're gonna think like it's the end of your life, but don't worry, it's not the end of your life. This is what happens when you fly, but could you imagine? Could you imagine being the very first person that uh, that had ever flown an airplane, ever gotten it off the ground? I mean, you had the dream that I think one day we can fly. You can't fly. People can't fly. But I think we can. I think if we can get the science right, we can do it. But could you imagine what it would actually be like taking off for the first time? Could you imagine the emotional roller coaster of, here we go, here we go. Okay, we're speeding up. Oh, I think we're off the ground. Oh, we're off the ground. Oh, oh my God, we're flying. We're flying. And then you hit a little bit of turbulence. We're dying. We're, we're, we're dying. Why? Because I've never experienced this before, so I don't know what, I don't know what to expect. When, when you have never experienced what you're experiencing, it puts you in an emotionally turbulent state. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, if I look back over just the last couple weeks of my life, talk about emotional turbulence. Talk about being on cloud nine and excited about life, and we're going to make it, and God's got our back, and we're going to take this mountain, and God's not done, and God's not through, and greater things are ahead. And and 30 seconds later, man, I, I sure hope we make it. It sure doesn't seem like things are actually working out the way that I, that I want them to work. What am I talking about? Emotionally turbulent because I have no frame of reference for what it is that I'm experiencing. And for many of us within the context of faith, this is why you're watching today, many of us have reached towards our God. We have poured out our heart in prayer and supplication unto our creator. God, would you do something about this situation? And that has its ups and downs of its own. Because I don't know about you, there are things that I have prayed for that I still have yet to see. There are things that I have prayed for that in fact, if I'm going by my visual sight, it actually seems sometimes like the opposite of what I prayed for is happening. What am I talking about? Emotional turbulence. Yet when I look back on the history of my life, I know the God that I serve. And I can't help but be in this position where my soul is asking this question unto God. God! God! What are you waiting for? This is the sentiment that I feel. God, what are you waiting for? Because I know the God that I believe in. I know the God who has the power to make something out of nothing. I know the God who has the power to take spit and mud and rub it in a blind man's eyes and all of a sudden he begins to see. I know the power of my God who can take two fish and five loaves and multiply them to feed over 5,000 people. I know the power of my God who with his words can drive demons out of humans who have been plagued by demons for years and send them into pigs that run off a cliff to to their perpetual death. I know the God that I believe in that saved the human and soul from a pandemic i'm not just talking about a natural pandemic on the inside i'm talking about a sickness that no man can cure my god has cured i know the god that i believe in but god what are you waiting for if anybody knows this feeling i think it's mary and martha because mary and martha are not just fans of jesus mary and martha these guys are they're they're, they're friends of jesus These are people who feel like I have a special relationship with God. Does anybody feel like that? I I know what I've been through. I, I know the things that God has walked me through. I know the times that we didn't have the money and somehow God sent the money. I know the times when when, when we didn't have money for insurance to go to the doctor. And so we prayed and we got on our knees and asked, God, would you meet? And I know, I know that it was God that healed my children. You can't talk me, you can't talk me out. I know the God that I believe in because we have a personal relationship. Mary and Martha knew what this was like. Lazarus is sick and it's not looking good. We got to call Jesus. Jesus will show up. Jesus will show up because he, he, he has a lot going on, but he cares about us. He cares about, it. He, he, he loves us, he'll show up. And what's interesting, they call, on, they call on Jesus and the text says that Jesus stayed where he was two more days. God, God what, what are you waiting for? What am I waiting for? What, what, am, I, what am I waiting for? I'm, I'm waiting, I'm waiting for, I'm actually, wait, I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting for you. What am I talking, I'm, 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 I'm the reason that I'm waiting is for you. The text says Jesus loved Martha and Mary and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. This is bomb to me. Jesus loved Martha. This is the, 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 the preface to, to the statement of him waiting. He loves Mary, he loves Martha and he loves Lazarus. So in other words, because he loves them, he stays where he is Two more days. God, what are you waiting for? I'm waiting for you. There are things that God has the ability to see that you do not have the ability to see. And I can say this a million times till I'm blue in the face, but these are the things that make life work. You have to decide either you're surrendered to God or you're not. What do you believe about God? Do you believe that he is omnipotent and powerful and in control because you have surrendered your control unto him? Is he somebody that that you can trust with your life even when you do not understand or not? God can see things that you cannot see. I beg God to do things my way, but sometimes God has a perspective that I don't have. I have waited, and the reason that I have waited is for your. Benefit? What are you waiting for? I'm waiting for you. Sometimes I gotta stop and thank God that he's waited for me. Sometimes I gotta stop and thank God that there are prayers that I pray that he didn't answer the way that I wanted him to answer because if he would've answered them the way that I wanted him to answer at the time that I wanted him to answer, I wouldn't end up in the position that I was in. I wouldn't have the family that I have and I wouldn't have the perspective that I have and I wouldn't have the wealth that I have because I would've messed it all up if he would've done it my way. But he has a perspective and he has a way and he understands that this journey will not end in death and even though I do not, understand it there is a perspective that God has and my responsibility unto him is to surrender to what to let what is surrender to let go of my idea of how I think things should look folks you got to decide are you a believer or are you not what, what, what am I talking about? How does this world work? Is it natural or is it spiritual? If it's natural you better hold on. You better keep your life in your hands. You better go out there to the money. You better be freaking out right now. But if there is a God who is sovereign, who placed you on the face of this planet, you only have one response to him. It's to take the reins out of your hands and to put those reins into the hands of God. And God, wherever this journey takes us I may not be comfortable with it. I may not understand it. I may not have proper perspective but I cling to your word that this journey will not end in death. That my God who started a good thing will surely completed in me in my life until he is done god what are you waiting on what are you waiting for i'm waiting for you see the thing about prayer prayer manifests god's purpose not yours this is difficult the thing about prayer 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 doesn't manifest the things that i want prayer manifests god's best this is why when we pray like I think, I mean, we, we coach people on the right things, but I don't know if you understand what you're praying when you're praying, come thy kingdom, be done the will of the Father. Come thy kingdom, be done thy will of the Father. Come thy kingdom, be done the will of the Father. Now you feel how when I say that, like you just feel that that's right. Come thy kingdom, be done the will of the Father. God, your kingdom come. Your will be done in my But you know what you're really saying when you pray that? What is, what is God's kingdom? Is God, you're, you're saying, come God's way of doing things. Come God's way of doing things. Well, you know what that's going you know what God's way of doing things is? He, he operates on gratitude. He, he operates on compassion. He operates in patience. He, he operates in trust. He operates in faith. So in other words, when I'm praying, come thy kingdom, I'm saying, come on, patience. Come on, faith. Come on, trust in God. The things that I'm praying, and, and sometimes I think in life, that we, we don't understand that literally the things that we're seeing are sometimes the things that we're praying for. God, God, why are you waiting? What are you waiting for? I'm waiting for you. He tells, he tells his disciples, Lazarus is dead, and I'm glad that I wasn't there. What? What are, you, what are you talking about? He says, it's for your benefit that I wasn't there. Why? Because, you know, truth be told, some things need to die. Truth be told, some things need, how surrendered are you? He says, this is not end in death, but this does not mean things won't die along the way. Are you trusting in God enough to know that even if things die that are not supposed to be dead, that he will someday resurrect them? And understanding at the same time there are things that need to die in me for me to be able to become the person that God has called me to be? Can I tell you that when Lazarus came back from the dead, that 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 there were certain things that didn't come back from the dead with Lazarus? Huh? Can I tell you that when Lazarus came back from the dead, you know, it didn't just shift things in Lazarus, but it shifted things in Mary and Martha and all of the disciples. There were things that needed, what needed to die, this entitlement that I think that God has to do it my way if he's going to do it at all. This idea that, that, that if, if that God, you know what, God would surely do, God would do, blank. no, he's going to show you that even if it dies, I can resurrect it. Don't you give up hope when it's not working the way your little human mind thinks that it should work. There are things that need to die. My pride needs to die. My ego needs to die. My entitlement needs to die. This idea that God owes me something while I'm standing here on the face of this planet, it need. there are things that need to die. God, what are you waiting for? I'm waiting for your benefit. There's this overwhelming principle, and I think this is what, one of the things that we have to grasp in life. This, this, this principle, you have more time than you think. Think, think about that. This is the this, this, this start-out principle that Jesus understands. There's more time that you're, you're freaking out because you think it's going to end bad. But is a bad thing a bad thing if it ends up a good thing? Like, like th- why is it a bad thing? Because you don't like it. Why is it a bad thing? Because I don't understand it. Why is it a bad thing? Because in my human thinking, I don't see how this turns out good. But is a bad thing a bad thing if it ends up a good thing? There's this principle, if you have more time than you think, a lot of times in life we have, because, because it feels like life is going fast, but life is not fast. Life is actually slow, unless you're looking backwards. Think, think about this. Parents, raising your kids. Raising, okay, raising kids, it is not fast. It, it is slow. Do, do, do you understand how, we don't, nobody's changing how many days there are in a year. There's 365 days in a year. If you're raising a child for 18, usually it's more than that. If you're raising a child for 18 years, that's how long, it, it's, it's, not, it's not fast, it's, it's slow. Until what? Until you get to the end of it and look back. And then when you get to the end of it and you look back, what do you say? Oh, it went so quick. You ever been on a vacation? Those first couple of days of it, isn't it weird how, oh, it's, we have plenty of time. We have plenty of time. We have seven days of this until you get to the seventh day and you look back and what do you say? It goes so quick. If you're feeling a pressure like life is moving fast, chances are you may be living life looking in your rearview mirror. mirror. How, how are you going to be able to get to the place that God has for you in your future if all you're doing is looking back? You have more time than you think. God, what are you waiting for? I'm waiting for you. I'm waiting for your benefit. But I'm not just waiting for your benefit. I'm also waiting for you to make a move. I'm waiting for you. I'm waiting for your benefit. But I'm waiting for you. I'm waiting for you to make a move. Because while you have more time than you think, you also have less time than you think. While you have more time than you think, you also have less time than you think. He waits for two more days, then all of a sudden he says, all right, boys, it's time to go. Whoa, 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 Jesus. Now? Yep, yeah, now. Why, 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 why do we have to go now? Like we were chilling a little bit. You waited two days, I have more time than I think, but there's a time when you have less time than you think. What am I talking? There are opportunities that have to be seized within the lifetime of the opportunity. There are things that you need to make move towards now so you don't miss the God opportunity that he has placed before you today. There are moves that you need to make. He says, we must go to Judea. And they say to him, but don't you understand that they've been trying to, but, but I know, but there's something in me that tells me I have to go now. Isn't it interesting that the time it's that, that Jesus is actually put in a position where he's supposed to actually make the move, people try to talk him out of it? First, they're trying to talk him into making the move. Then when he actually decides to go, they try to talk him out of making the move. See, here's the problem with counsel. Counsel in your life will always try to talk you oftentimes off of the ledge of what God is leading you to and cause you to cater to the things that make sense. We can't go there because they tried to kill you last time. I know they tried to kill me last time, but I got something down on the pit of my stomach that says there's something here today that I have to see. And if I don't go through it, then I'll never get to it. There's things that I have to walk through. There's risks that I have to take. Everybody's not going to be on the same page in understanding why I got to make this moves for my family or why I got to do the things that God is calling me to do there are times in your life that you're gonna to have to make the decision that I will go with the conviction of God in my heart over the counsel of men on the outside w- what am I talking counts counsel is what makes sense counsel is what seems smart but sometimes sometimes there's something that God puts deep on the inside of a man's belly that is that he's put there for them to be able to accomplish God purpose in their life can I tell you something folks the people that you admire The people that you look up to, the people that you respect, and you say, how did you do it? Can I tell you that 99% of those people don't say, well, I, I read in a book, Seven Steps to Success... And I just started applying those baby steps, just one at a time. And look what the Lord has done. No, you know what they say? They say, I don't know how I did it. I had something down in the pit of my stomach that told me to go to Judea. And everybody else was telling me not to go to Judea, but I knew that I had to go to Judea. And they told me that they would kill me and they would stone me if I went to Judea. But I knew, I knew there was an angle. I knew that there was a way. I knew that we would just go by day. I knew that God had a plan. I had to follow the conviction on the inside of my heart. I could not cater to the counsel of the people on the outside because God was calling me to something that needed to be saved seized today. What is the thing that needs to be seized in your life today? What is the thing you've been sleeping on because you want everybody to be on the same page as you as it pertains to your decision-making processes? Isn't it interesting? I think it's crazy that when Jesus says, okay, we're going to go. This is where if I was a disciple, I'd say, okay, boys, he's getting ready to kick in that God juice. He's got that miracle working power. He's about to flip the switch. Like based upon the relationship with Jesus, they've seen everything that he did, but that is not the response at all. Thomas looks to the rest of the disciples, and you know what he says? He says, well, I guess we better go and be loyal and die with him. This is their perspective. A lot of times you won't step out and make a move and follow the conviction of God on the inside of your heart because you want everybody to be on the same page about the decision that you're making. That is not how God works. That is not why you were put on the face of this planet. You were put on the face. Stand tall. Have a backbone. Know who God has made you to be. Be bold and be courageous. Cast not away your confidence, saith the Lord. For in it is great reward. Where's the great reward? When I square my shoulders and say, I got to go. Oh, you got to go. It's not smart to go. I know it's not smart to go. But something in the pit of my stomach says there's something that has to be seized today. There's something that I got to get today. There's something that I got to go after today. Can you set aside sometimes, sometimes, sometimes when the conviction of God in your heart is stronger than the counsel of the men around you? Are you willing to take a step that scares you? Jesus walks into Judea. And I find this really, really interesting because as he walks to Mary and Martha, he'll walk into their city, but he won't walk into their house. Think about this. He leaves and he journeys to Judea. He walks into their city but he won't walk into their house. He requires that they come out of their house to him. <laughs> this, is, this is really, really interesting to me. God, what are you waiting for? I'm, I'm waiting for you. What are you waiting for me to do? I'm waiting for you to come out of, of your house. Listen to me. Before you start thinking that I'm getting political, I'm not. This is not about a position. This is about a perspective. This is not about actual movement. This is about a mentality because you can be out of your house and stuck in your house all at the same time. What am I talking, what is stuck in the house? Stuck in a place of safety, stuck in a place of insecurity, stuck in a place of fear, stuck in a place of hiding, stuck in a place of waiting, stuck in, a, in, a, in an illusion that I'm safe in here, if I can just wait, if I can just weather the storm, if I can just hold on, maybe somehow, some way, I can survive this mess and pick up the pieces. Now I'm here to tell somebody today, it's time to get out of your house. It's time to get out of your house. It's time to get out of your house in your mind, this place of safety, this recluse mentality that you're just surviving. No, you're the light of the world and you're put here To shine, I say to the church, it's time to shine. I say to your family, it's time to shine. It's time to shine, businessman. It's time to shine, construction worker. It's time to shine, stay at home mom. You're not put here, you're not put here to exist in darkness. You're put here to eradicate darkness. Shine, it's going to require that you come out of the house because you know what happens when you stay in the house too long, you go crazy. You start thinking crazy things. You start believing crazy things. You start looking at people and saying things. Well, how do we make sense of this? Well, maybe he doesn't care like I thought that he cared. Maybe God's not really for you like he thought that he thought you. I don't know. Maybe we'll pull through. Maybe we won't. I don't really know. Oh, we're just sad and we're depressed and we're up and we're down. When you stay in the house too long, you go crazy. You start believing crazy things. What happens when you get out of the house? When 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 I step out of the house, Jesus? Jesus, is that you? Why, why are you, why are you? why are you crying? Jesus, why are you crying? Because everything that's happening, Mary. But you, you didn't come when we called you. I know. You're telling me that you care? Yeah. yeah of course I care. But Jesus, if, if you would have been here, Lazarus wouldn't have died. What were you waiting for? I, I was waiting for you. There, there were things that you couldn't see that I could see. Mary, they were trying to kill me. If, if I would have come when you wanted me to come, everything was so hot. They would have stoned me, and they would have stoned you, and they would have stoned Martha, and they would have stoned Lazarus. and They would have stoned all of the disciples. I was, I was waiting, but I wasn't waiting to hurt you. I was waiting to help you. You, were, you cared? Yeah, I was, I, was, I was waiting. I was waiting for you. You, you were waiting for me? Yeah, I was waiting was waiting for you because there was truth be told, there were some things in you that needed to change, Mary. Because one day I'm gonna be crucified and I'm gonna die and you're supposed to be the first person that comes to my tomb. But if you don't learn this principle, that even when you think it's over, to keep looking for me. If you don't learn that now, when you think things are over in the future, you won't come looking for me. There's things that I see. There's a perspective that I have. There's things in you, Mary, that need to die. I, I need you to step. Why didn't you come? Why didn't you come to the house? Because because there's too many voices in there, Mary. You know how it is. If I would have gotten in, they would have said, "Get out of here, Mary." He doesn't really care. But I, I needed you to get alone with me, so you can look into my eyes and you can hear the quiver in my voice and you can feel my touch. I needed you to get alone with me, so that you. I needed you to get out of your house. So you can remember how I've never left you and I've never forsaken you. If there was ever a time that I waited, I didn't wait for me. I was waiting for you. Will you show me where he's at? Come with me. Will you show me where he's at? Yeah, come with me. Here's where he's at. He's in this tomb. Okay, roll away the rock. Jesus, you don't know how bad it is. No, Mary. You don't know how good it is. Roll away the stone. Okay. Roll away the stone. Lazarus! Come forth! And what happens? Here comes Lazarus, bound head and toe. Hop it out. And you know what he says? He says, loose him and let him go. I don't know what's had you bound up to this point, making you feel like God has forgotten you. I don't know who's been in the house, in your mind, too long. And you've been thinking crazy things. I'm just here to remind you today that you are put here to be light. And light actually obliterates darkness. The fact that you exist means that you are a a darkness eradicating machine. See yourself that way. See yourself that way. See yourself. Be free. I'm not talking about be free from the moment that you're in. I'm talking about be free from the mentality that you've been in as you've been going through this moment. What should my response be to a God who waits? I wait on the one who waits. I wait on the one who waits. I wait on the one who waits. But this does not mean what you think it means. This is why you got to watch our morning devotions, because my grandfather taught me this just a couple weeks ago on our morning devotions. Watch it. He was talking about wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. He said, but wait on the Lord doesn't mean what you think. And I, I looked it up, it's exactly exactly right. What the word wait means is actually to fasten or, the, or to tether yourself to. What is my response to a God who waits? I wait on the one who waits. Meaning I tether myself to God. I fasten myself to God. Why, Go, just Google today. Google wait on the Lord scriptures and you're gonna, your mind's gonna be blown. Just the dozens of the scriptures that pop up. And you know what it says, wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. He will strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. He will strengthen your heart. He will Who needs strength today? Who needs strength in your mind? Who needs strength in your mental health? Who needs strength in your family? Who needs strength in the place of your being? What do I do? I wait on the one who waits. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. He will strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. What is it saying? It says, fasten yourself to God. Be of good courage. He will strengthen your, strengthen your heart. Fa- fasten yourself. Tether yourself. God, I'm not letting go. I don't. I don't care what i see i don't care what i feel i don't care what people around me tell me i don't care if i'm depressed i don't care if i'm happy i am fastening myself to the one who waits i am fastening myself to the one, i will wait on the one who waits you have not been forgotten god what are you waiting for i'm waiting for you it is for your benefit there's i don't know how to tell you other there's things that you can't see that he can see <laughs> And either you, t- either you trust him or you don't. I hate it too. I hate it too. I hate it too. But either you trust him or you don't. There are some things you just have to walk through. Why? I don't know. But this is what Christianity is. This is what faith in God is. You know what faith is? I don't know. But I'm choosing to trust the one that does know. I don't have to know. I don't have to know. But I'm going to walk. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. How you walk through the valley of the shadow of death matters. How are you walking through the valley of the shadow of death? Can I, can I tell you something? This is your time. This is your time. This is your time. This is not a setback. This is not a setback. This is not a setback. you got to see it right. you got to get out of the house in your mind. This is, this is not, not, not a setback. I have to choose to believe that the, re, the reason he waits is not for my demise but for my benefit. So he sees things that I do not. And I trust that. I trust that. Do you trust that? Are you surrendered to that? Are you, sometimes you just got to walk through it. Sometimes you just gotta, you just got to keep on moving, one foot in front of the other. Okay, here we go. Still trusting you. I don't get it. I don't understand, but I'm still trusting you, let's keep on moving. That's, that's it. That's it. That if you're waiting, God, if it seems like God is waiting, I promise you, he's not, hold, he's not holding something back because he doesn't want good things for you. There's things that He sees that you do not see. or there's moves that He's needing you to make so that you can step into the person that you're called to be in the future. There are things in you that need to die. There are things that need to be laid aside. There are things that he is protecting you from that you can't see it cling to your God. Cling to your God. Like a child clings his arms around his father as they're walking through a crowd. Like a father who's walking in the middle of a storm with his baby on his back and the child just rips to his father, just holds on with all of his might, because I know if I hold on to dad that I'll be okay, I know if I hold on to dad, I'll be okay, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, he will strengthen, he will strengthen your heart, are you weak today, are you weak today, wait on the Lord, what, fasten yourself to God, fasten, get out of the funk, you telling me to snap out of it again, yeah, because you snapped back into it, it's been a couple weeks. This is what ha- this is and this is human. Guys, the reason I can talk about this because light bulbs are going off in my brain is I'm living out the same experience as you. Why am I so moody? Why am I so up and down? Why am I excited one second, depressed the next second? God, what are you waiting for? I'm waiting for you, dude. You just don't get it, do you? Like you either trust them or you don't. And I'm determined in my life that I'm not going to be the you, I'm not going to be the kind of person that tries to manage this life, like I know what's going on. He put me here and he is worthy of my trust even when I do not understand. Don't go bad with the bad. Don't go bad with the bad. Don't hope less because you're hopeless. Don't have less hope because things just seem sad. This was easy. You should thank God for your church, by the way. You should thank God for your pastors, by the way. You know how great you've been pastored? You know how incredibly great this church has pastored you? Since January, we were talking about greater things. Remember that? Do you remember what we actually said about greater things? Do you remember when when my dad, our pastor, got up here and said, I feel cautioned by God to not put a label on what greater things means. Hello! Do you understand why? Do you understand what the following messages were about? Here's what they were about. It's not going to look like you. Greater things oftentimes don't look like greater things. We were telling you that before any of this mess happened. Thank God that we have a place, an oasis to come and draw strength, that we have pastors that God is speaking to and leading and counseling on a week-to-week basis, whether it be through morning devotionals or through worship songs, we have an opportunity to pour out our heart before God. Where would we even be without that? I think to myself all the time, well, I could do that on my own, but would you have? Would you have worshiped on your own? Would you have dug into the Word and got a revelation on your own? No. And if I, 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 I I'm so grateful I think our hearts should be stirred with gratitude that God has not forgotten us. He hasn't left our sorry little butts like we should be left. The way we've been acting, we have an opportunity and we're acting like we're all stuck in the dark. No, you're light. Start acting like it. Start acting like it. Did I tell you at the beginning, I'm just tired of seeing Christians bullied by darkness? I'm tired of people seeing, acting like they are victim-you're not a victim. It's not what you were put here. Snap out of it. Square your shoulders, your God is not, why is he, he's wet, it's for your benefit. So either trust that there's either things that he sees that you don't see, or there's maybe things that need to go, things that need to die. Maybe there's moves you need to make, and you know. I don't know, I don't know what they are, but you do. He leads you right down here, the Holy Spirit in the pit of your stomach. It's those things that I just know, and oh, it drives me crazy, because I want people to agree, and nobody sees it the same way as I do. This is frustrating, God. Can't you just give me one person to say, yeah, that's the right way? (laughs) <laughs> no nope nope what is my response to a God who waits I wait on the one who waits I fasten myself to God I fasten myself to God I fasten myself to God I bind myself to my creator I bind myself to my creator I bind myself to my God like cement cement I cement myself and who he is. I wrap my arms around his neck. I wrap my arms around his neck. I'm not letting go, I'm not letting go. Everybody wants me to let go. My own mind wants me to let go, my own emotions. God, they're working against me. They're trying to get me to let go. I I will not, I will not, I will not let go. I won't let go! 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 I will wait. I will fasten myself to the one who has fastened himself to me. Think about it. What if Mary could have understood? What if Martha? What if all of these people could have understood the bigger picture? They didn't understand that this was setting them up for the future. When Jesus would be dead, crucified. If they hadn't gone through what they would have been through, you know what, they pro- it probably would have been over. They would have all been in their houses. But they've experienced stuff like this before. You know where Mary's not after Jesus is crucified? She's not in the house. Walking around at the tomb. You the gardener? Huh? No, it's Mary. It's me. It's you. I, oh, you're back. <laughs> I knew you'd be back. I knew you. I knew you because I learned long ago that when you wait, you're the one who waits for me. God, today, would you anchor this word in our hearts? Would you cement it into our minds? Would you give us the courage that so many of us need, so many people who are tired and weary? The sails of their soul have just been depleted because it seems like there has been no wind. I just declare that the winds of the Spirit start to flow again. I just declare that the winds of the Spirit start to flow again. I just declare the winds of the Spirit start to flow again. I just declare the winds of the Spirit start to flow again. I I said this when I was down in uh, Los Angeles at a church this last week. I believe that there are things that you thought were a shipwreck was actually the setting of a sail and the reason that the sails have to be set so that when the wind blows, the ship will blow in the right direction. I just declare in your life it has not been a shipwreck, but it has been a setting of of the sail and I declare you have been prepared for the winds of heaven to begin to blow again if they would have started blowing before it would have pushed you into the wrong direction a direction that you were not intended to be but because you there has been a setting of the sail now this winds of the Spirit can begin to blow and you'll blow into your destiny you'll step into the place that God has for you I just declare God we fasten ourselves to you like a child to its father would you would you give us the courage would you give us the courage and the ability and God even greater the humility God, the humility to say, I don't got to look pretty. I don't got to look like I have it all together. It doesn't got to work the way that I want it to work, but I got to have you. I got to have my hands wrapped around your neck. I got to feel you in my grasp. I got to be with you. I got to see your tears. I got to feel your breath. I gotta, I gotta know. I got I, I don't. I don't have to have success. I don't have to have people shouting my name, and people don't gotta know me, and I don't have to have all the things that I want. But God, I gotta have you. Fasten myself to the one who's fastened himself to me. Maybe you're here today, you've never made a decision to place your faith in Christ. I want to give you an opportunity before the band just sings a little bit of something. We will give you just a second to decompress, but. The Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord. This is why we have hope. This is what Christianity is. I take the, here's the easiest picture. Taking the reins out of my hands, saying, here you go. That's what it is. Whoever calls upon, who makes him your Lord. What is it? Here you go. The reins are yours, God. You're in charge now. If you've never made a decision and you're tired of carrying the pressure of being your own master, I want to give you an opportunity to pray this prayer. And I I just ask that everybody you've maybe even prayed it before, that you just rededicate your life. You just remind yourself. Hey, you got to remind yourself sometimes. you got to remind yourself. who you, You're a child of God. You've given the reins to God. God, God. Surrender is not just giving up control so no one's in control. It's giving control to someone who knows what to do with the control. Would you pray this prayer out loud with me just wherever you're at? And I want you to think about the word. Say this. Say, Jesus, today I believe in my heart and I say out of my mouth, you are the Son of God. I believe that you lived for me. I believe that you died for me. And I believe that you came back from the dead for me. Today, I call you my Savior, and I make you my Lord. I say this, Jesus, help me to live the life you made me to live. Say, I wait on you. Say, I fasten myself. To you, in Jesus' name. Amen. Where you Thanks for listening. If this impacted you and you'd like to partner with us, go to salvationchurch.cc/give to help us reach people with the message of Jesus.